and with me as always are Schnell. Say hi, Schnell. Hey. <laughs> and Teach. I don't know what noise that was. <laughs> 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 That's the Wisconsin hello. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> Let me put oh, my beer geez. down here and say hello to you guys. <laughs> ah, crap. I was going to get vodka to bring in here. Hey, Teach, do you need to make a vodka run? No. Okay. Well, hey, this week we are all about the Ravnica the Ravnica Allegiance pre-release, which is next weekend. So we are actually going to be getting together in person, all three of us, on Friday to crack new guild kits and draft a new set at Schnell's store. So so we decided that today's episode, we are going to look at the cards that have been spoiled so far for Allegiance, and we're going to go over some of our favorites, or maybe we'll talk about ones we think suck. But uh, next week we're going to do a pre-release wrap-up. And we'll discuss what went right for us uh, during pre-release and what went wrong for us during pre-release. Spoiler alert, I lost really, really bad, I'm guessing. Uh, I was just going to say you two are probably going to have a lot more about what went right. <laughs> I'll talk about what went wrong. <laughs> my my pre-release, I will, I will announce this now. My pre-release average is going 1 and... Or I go 0 and 2 with whatever deck that I decided to build. And then I take all my extra cards and build a different deck and go 2 and 0. <laughs> so, and it happens almost every single pre-release that I end up at, you know, two and two on the night, four rounds. I get my one pack, but I have two different decks that I built, and it's always the backup deck that's good, and the deck that I wanted to build where I tried to force something, and it's just like, no, this is a bad combination, but I wanted to do it anyway. Um, do you guys know what guilds you're going to play as this weekend? We could throw that in here. I am already signed up for the Azorius Guild, and I'm going Orzhov. I am the law. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I do. Uh, there's at least a few of each uh, spot remaining for the pre-release as of uh, today's sign-ups. So. There's still Gruel open? Because that was the one that had, like, the mad rush, right? Everybody wanted Gruel? Uh, yeah. I've got, like, two or three Gruel spots left before those are gonzo. Oh, nice. Um... Yeah, most of the, most of the uh, competitive players in my area have been, have had the anything green mentality is a good sign up option. So mm-hmm. <laughs> This is an intervention. You are a competitive player. You you are now. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I'm not. I'm casual. You take that back. <laughs> 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 Dear Teej, you used to be a casual player, and now you're a competitive player, and that's bad. What what happened to you, my my casual friend? <laughs> Why you do this? <laughs> <laughs> this has been another magic intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by the Homebrew Magic Podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, this week we are talking everything pre-Allegiance, and then uh, next week we'll come back and we'll do a pre-release weekend wrap-up. Uh, and then if there's anything that gets spoiled between when we're recording this and when the set, um, you know, is fully spoiled, which is probably going to be at the end of this coming week, uh, we'll cover it there if it's worth covering. Um, but before we get rolling into our allegiance discussion tonight, we had the idea, Tej had the idea to add something new to our weekly intros. So each week we're going to be discussing our week in magic or this week in magic, if you will, um, where each of us are going to tell you what we've been doing over the past week. That's been interesting, exciting, infuriating, uh, whatever 
you know, adjective you want for it um, while we've been playing Magic. So, uh, who wants to start? Excellent, I'll start. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, the first thing I wanted to say, uh, I've been talking to Schnell and Tej a lot about this mono blue aggro deck I've been playing in Arena. Um, in, it's, it's a lot of fun to play in, in uh, free play because everybody plays pre-constructed decks in free play. And um, I think I've probably got a 90% plus win rate with it, which is exciting. Um, and it's been doing pretty good in ranked uh, over the week up until this weekend. I would say I was probably winning 70 75% of my matches. But then I did the constructed event this weekend, uh, and I went 4-3. and three. So I, <laughs> I won more than I lost, which is good. But um, I definitely... If you get caught by, um, especially like speedy red decks, uh, aggro red is definitely an enemy of that deck. Um, and and I ran into a couple of those buzz saws. But then I was watching some uh, videos on YouTube too, and there's this guy who has a channel. Uh, it's called Covert Go Blue, and he also calls himself C- CGB. But he he did a video. Um, he played a deck on Arena based on Fall of the Thran or the Fall of Thran and Remorseful Cleric that focused on, you know, kind of going, you know, I don't know, maybe six turns or so deep. And he was using, he used Cleansing Novas and Settle the Wreckages as board wipes to kind of keep the board clean. And then after the opponent had a ton of land out, he dropped the Fall of Thran, and then he'd play a Remorseful Cleric, sacrifice it, and exile their graveyard. Nice. And watching people try to click through their graveyards that just didn't exist anymore, realizing they just lost 12 lands, and then just fucking rage quitting was the <laughs> <laughs> like one of the highlights of my uh, my YouTube watching this week. Um, so, yeah, go watch... Go watch Covert Go Blues, the Fall of Thran Mono White Prison deck. Um, that's what it's called. It's an it's a video of him streaming Arena, and it's absolutely hysterical to just watch these people get pissed and leave. Um, other than that, with the help of uh, Chanel and Teach and their suggestions, I went through and built a new EDH deck uh, that will also be the point of a blog post once our website is functional hopefully i have that up by the end of this week that was another weekend project uh but i built a grixis discard deck led by nickel bolas the ravager um and i'm really looking forward to play testing it at the pre-release on friday when i see these guys uh so that was my week who's going next um i have been trying to get in a couple of games here and there of arena as well um I'm just trying to, right now, I'm, I'm not very active or competitive on Arena. I just keep doing casual play stuff to try and grind for some coins. I did a draft just this morning where I tried to do blue-white. In, it was a two, two Ixalan and one Rivals pack, and it did not go well at all. Blue-white, I didn't get anything really good for those color, or good for that combination in my pool. And by the time I realized that it was, you know, dead on arrival and tried to change, like, halfway through pack two, it was just too late. I I went I went one in three, but I did get, you know, I got, I think, a, two packs and some uh, gems off of that. So it wasn't a total loss, and I still have a couple of gems and some coins left that I can try and grind out a little bit more tomorrow if I've got free time, but... Uh, in real life magic, I managed to finally play some more Legacy uh, after having two decks for like a year and a half now, or almost two years. I've got uh, Legacy Burn and Death and Taxes. 
and somebody wanted to play at the store, didn't have their own deck, so they picked to run my burn deck. I played uh, Death and Taxes against them. I usually don't run it because it is a deck that requires you to make correct decisions and knowing <laughs> what... Well, to be fair, to be fair, I've been playing Magic a long time. I've been playing casually for like 20 years, so trying to go more competitive on things, I, I feel like it was a good experience because just not panicking when my opponent has me down to like five five life by turn three and just going okay i can stabilize i can start i can start digging myself out of the hole and i ended up winning two out of three like i think i think game one was the real eye opener game two i i lucked out i think on one of his bad draws because he drew like one extra mountain when he needed the kill spell but uh game three i feel like i locked him out correctly and it it was a good time so i'm gonna try and play more legacy i don't know if i can convince Tej or nelson to play legacy or build legacy decks at any point but we can always just proxy stuff so if we proxy it i would love to i just i don't have the uh back catalog to get into yeah it's like competitive uh, legacy (laughs) yeah and i think honestly like legacy is cool legacy is fun there's no way in hell i'm ever playing vintage like not with any real vintage cards, but I can kind of I can kind of speculate here and see modern becoming the new legacy if this whole standard plus thing kind of takes off as a new modern format, like I think it's going to, where modern just gets more and more expensive long term because I know they want to start pushing standard plus. I know they want to try and basically keep the mana base less aggressive. So we're we're gonna have shocks in it, but we're not gonna have fetches. Which is probably good because fetches are like forty to sixty a piece, and for a lot of new players, even even a lot of like experienced players, that's still a lot of money if you're just trying to get into the game. So yeah. I think I think modern is going to kind of become the new legacy format. Vintage is going to be for those like fifty year old guys who are like oh yeah when Magic first came out I bought a lot of it and I just still have all my lotuses so yeah I'll play yeah those guys can. Can screw all the way off with that, but <laughs> <laughs> what you just don't have like a playset of all the dual lands and a po- set of power or two? I'm like, I was well, gonna say, what do you mean you don't have a playset of the power nine? Yeah, I've Get never, good. yeah, I've never owned any of the power, but um, no, it was just uh, like work working at the you know at the card store, being that guy. That's that's kind of what a lot of the uh, local guys have been talking about and theorizing as well. So I'm trying to I'm I'm piecing together as much information as I can, and I think long term that uh, arena will be a very good stepping stone to create this new format. But I think paper wise, yeah, modern is probably going to go to the way to legacy, where unless you already have it now, you're probably not going to get into it. And I'm really curious to see how standard plus starts to shape up over the next few years. Yeah, I am too. I think it's a really interesting idea, um, especially with the way that they're kind of, I don't want to say forcing out Magic Online, but, you know, pushing Arena and turning it into this this thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see once, as they get into it, what that first turnover is going to be like when you actually have set rotations that, you know, everybody's locked into these cards right now. And obviously, you know, we got Guilds of Ravnica pretty quickly. Now Allegiance is coming. But when the first full block rotates and something new comes in, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of a life that takes on. 
Well, it, it, I, I assume it's going to be similar to Hearthstone. I mean, Hearthstone, you've got your standard form and then your wild format where anything is anything is legal. And I assume that's just going to be what the standard plus is. Yeah. Because what was the what was the first set on Arena? Was it? Uh, uh, Ixalan. 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 Yeah. So I mean, that's going to rotate eventually, but people aren't going to want to get rid of their Ixalan cards, and that's where Standard Plus, I assume, is going to start. Yep, that's exactly what I've what I've seen. So it's, it's just going to be any anything Arena, like anything available on Arena, and from here on out will be Standard Plus, so that they can start kind of crafting that new modern format. Kind of, kind of from scratch, but they're starting almost immediately with the Shocklands in it, so it's it's gonna be a like good mana base for a for a format because right. you've got all the colors. Cool. And that's been an episode of something something. Uh, <laughs> this something, week in Schnell's Magic Life. Now let's yeah. talk about Tejas. Oh yeah, Tej, what have you done? Yes, this week in Tej Magic World. Uh, this week I did not play any paper magic. This week it was just arena for me. Um, I too am, am uh, mainly just grinding for coins on, on arena. I've put zero real life dollars into that game, uh, which I'm okay with. And uh, I don't have the uh, the Teferis or the Niv Missits or what else do I see that I hate? Um, you know, I think it's just those. Or, well, Ral, Ral Viceroy or whatever. I've seen a ton of Vivians lately, too. Yeah, Vivians have been cropping up. I I, I was going to say, I have the uh, fancy reward, like, uh, Vraska and Ral and Teferi, but I haven't been running them yet in anything because I'm a bad player, apparently. I have those, too, and I did try to make a Golgari, like, zombies deck. I haven't really play-tested it much yet, uh, so I don't play it often, but I, I do have those promo planeswalkers and then i I have the Vraska planeswalker you know with a shitty Vraska planeswalker you get the code when you buy the deck oh yep 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 i got Um, that one too so i have her too but um yeah i don't think i'm running other than like i said i built that golgari deck that i haven't tested much i was gonna say golgari golgari mid-range is a pretty good yes pretty good deck to run in paper i've seen yeah anyway back to me so So you, um, Tej, you didn't you didn't do the uh, what do they call it the welcome pack or whatever for like five bucks? You didn't I do did that not. either. Okay, I did not. Um, for yeah, no I reason. Also not I mean, spend, I'm I'm also not spending any money on arena. Uh oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. You could probably edit that one out. Um, so no, the five dollar thing is a, is a really good deal. Uh. But I just I, I just have no interest in putting any actual money into the game. Um, but that being said, uh, I never played Magic Online before, uh, and I used to play a whole bunch of Hearthstone. So now that Arena is basically just Magic Hearthstone, uh, I'm all about Arena now for all those uh, drafts. So that's what I've been doing. Um, and right now we're back to Ixalan drafting. And I've just drafted my second black-white deck, and it refuses to lose. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, vampires are pretty good. Plus, people are scared of that uh, two-drop destroying dinosaur this guy touches. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, and drafting is nice because I'm picking up uh, I'm picking up cards for other decks that I need. Like I uh, rare drafted the Deep Root something or other Merfolk that I could use another one for. And even though I don't have the cards to make a powerful Izzet deck, I still have an Izzet deck with a couple Drakes in it, and um, I'm bad with card names. There's the 2-2 flying for 3, where when you play an instant or sorcery, it gets plus 1, plus 1 till end of turn. Oh yeah, that's uh, the... uh, uh, I can't think of its name right now. Crackling Drake is in my head, but that's not it. uh, Because it's it's not blue, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, But anyway... Oh, you've got the you've got like the Avon Wind Mage thing, then, don't you? Is uh, that the, that's yeah. it. I think that's, that's the guy. That's like that's the, the, the yeah. That's the the knockoff version. Yeah, he's a budget trick, um, and no one ever sees him him coming. So uh, I've been actually having some pretty good success with that Izzet deck. And when I'm not doing that, I've just got uh, mono red red deck wins burn and hasty creatures and. Uh, that's pretty much it. No one in that deck seems to win out of nowhere, too. Um, I've taken down one Teferi deck with that, and I think, obviously, it's just because the opponent didn't know how to play Teferi. Um, <laughs> Are you running uh, Risk guess. Factors? What? Are you running Risk Factors? What's that? Risk Factor is a red oh, and the... two colorless instant. You draw three, or an opponent takes four. I am not running with that With Jumpstart. One. No. I am not running that one. Don't have it or don't like it? I think I have one, but I don't like it. Okay. Uh, and this is a conversation that I was having with Nelson earlier this week. Uh, and by that, I mean probably yesterday. Um, <laughs> yesterday is part card, of this week. That's a car. Wait. That's a car that... Uh, uh, yeah, that's a car that gives my opponent the choice, and they're always going to choose the one that's best for them. So, uh, anytime that card is played against me, if it's not going to kill me, I'm going to have it do four damage to me. Oh, yeah. Because I don't want to give my opponent cards. Card advantage, Um, yeah. No, that's how I play that, too. And then... See, uh, but with that one, I think it's the illusion of choice, because you know full well your opponent's going to take the damage as long as it's it's not going to kill them. That's true. So you're hitting them for four for three mana, which isn't the best trade-off, but you've got Jumpstart, and especially in red, if you draw that, you know, that dead land draw late game, you just Jumpstart it again, and if they can't afford to take the damage, you're getting three new cards when you're, you know, worried about dead draws anyway. That's true, but in, in in the mono red deck that I'm running... That card is too slow for what you're what you're looking out of it for. I don't okay. like discarding to jumpstart in my mono red deck because I need every single thing that I have. I'm only running like 20 lands in it, so my land count is pretty low. Um, and I don't want to ditch spells that could be used to remove creatures or punch my opponent in the face. Uh, and I need all the creatures that I can get. So That's in my fine. deck, I don't think risk factors uh, uh, is a good risk. <laughs> yeah, I think we were talking about that in regards to uh, Torment of Hailfire, right? Yeah. Because I was considering that for that um, EDH discard deck I was talking about earlier. And one of the points that you brought up was um, that very fact that, you know, if you, if you play it, especially if you're playing it early game and you allow your opponents to choose, you know, um, obviously they're going to do what benefits them the most when I could use that slot instead to play something different that forces a discard rather than 
allowing them to maybe choose to, you know, maybe they've got an outlet for sacrificing like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice this because I can get something out of it, you know, or well, I'll just lose the life because I'm at 40 anyway, you know, and I don't have a, you know, a Megrim or Liliana's Caress or Quest for the Nile Stone or anything like that out yet. So, yeah. um, and I yeah. suppose the, the, uh, the arena deck that I run my risk factors in is red, black, sort of uh, mid range, kind of, kind of controlly with the uh, amount of creature kill. But I, I also run stuff like Reassembling Skeletons and Plague Crafters so that, you know, if I need a card to pitch, I can pitch that one to jumpstart something and then just bring it back for my graveyard. Right back, yeah. yeah. There you go. Or I've got uh, Goblin Instigator, so I've got extra extra creatures off of that for my Plague Crafters. And that one, I, I had somebody just rage quit on me again or uh, earlier today because every single round I was getting at least one creature and they were losing all of their creatures every time <laughs> it's like shock that guy play my own uh play my goblin instigators i got two guys turn three plague crafter kill your uh stupid uh your the three drop drake not the four drop drake uh enigma oh, drake uh enigma yes, drake. the enigma drake That's the fella crackling drake's the four drop yep yes Harder to cast, but you get a card draw off of it which is really nice which is actually really nice too but that's the one that i don't have I yeah. just have the three Enigma Drakes that came in my precon. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? They're okay. Solid, maybe. Yeah, anyway. that's uh, my week in magic. Sweet. Sounds like a good week. Um, so yeah, let's get rolling on the Allegiance discussion then. Uh, let's talk guilds first. Uh, what guild do you guys want to start with? Um, I vote... Azorius, because it starts with the letter A. I was just going to say I'm going to also go with Azorius because that's what I'm running in the uh, pre-release, and they are top of the the guild key. Oh, so yeah, you're just being um, selfish because it's what you want. <laughs> C- I was correct. being fair. <laughs> that is that is correct. <laughs> correct. Um, well, let's do that, Chanel. You start with Azorius since that's your favorite guild. Um, it's the guild of the Sphinxes, and uh, Sphinx. you're running it. Sphinges uh, is actually the yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you like me to talk about, Sphinx related or Azorius related? Just go with your first card. Oh, okay. So we're going. We're, we're diving into the lists. Yep. Let's just go. Okay. Um, well, I went through all of the spoilers on... Myth- Actually, no, I went through all of the uh, cards on Deck Builder because everything's been spoiled now. And anything that I liked, I put into a, a deck list. And then I just started going through and whittling it down. So my entire list, I've got 12 cards. It's two white, two blue, two black, a red, a green, three gold, an artifact. And then I have six sideboard cards, which I like them. I'm probably going to play them. They might not be the best of the best, but for Azorius, the only one that I have on my list is Dovin's Acuity. Hey, that's my first Azorius card. Oh exactly. my god. Yeah. It's which, information campaign. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically it's it's <laughs> it's value was, train. That was also on my list too. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, Dovin's Acuity is an enchantment for a blue, a white, and a generic. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you gain two life and draw a card. And then whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell during your main... Uh, just an instant spell during your main phase, so basically tying in with that addendum keyword that uh, Azorius is going with, you can bounce it back to your hand. 
So that one I really, really like because it's reusable and blue-white card advantage is never a bad thing. And honestly, the card the, the card draw is secondary to the life gain, I think, in this because a lot of those controlling matchups, your opponent can sometimes get through with little shit here and there. And just having that, you know, two or four or six extra life here and there gives you enough time to establish your board lockdown. That's kind of what I was thinking about it too. Um, in a in a limited in a limited environment, uh, you know, when you're when you're drafting whatever, I think that like you just said that that was two points of life. If you can use it multiple times, could be you know uh, what makes or breaks a match for you. Oh, and no. I also think that in a deck like my wizard EDH deck, that's the kind of card that you could just spam the shit out of. <laughs> and one of the things I was thinking when I chose this card for the list is I can't wait to see all the different ways that people break this thing. Cause I think yeah. it's, I think it's breakable. Um, and it's also super utility. So it, it caught my eye for many reasons. And those are, those are the, the main ones. Mm-hmm. It caught my eye, uh, because of the little joke I made before. Uh, it's like the counterpart to disinformation campaign. Yeah, which was the a card from from guilds or one a blue and a black. Uh, someone discards a card, and whenever you surveil, it goes back to your hand. Mm-hmm. And I see that an awful lot on arena being played, and that seems like a decent card. So when I read this card, I was like, oh man, it's it's the Azorius version, where instead of it uh, being negative for your opponents, it's positive for you. And I really liked that uh, that design aspect. I thought that was pretty cool. I also am a huge fan of the flavor text on it, too. (laughs) What's it say? Uh, Dovin ticked the planeswalkers off on his fingers. Himself, Domri, Kaya, Ral, Vraska, and Bolas made an even six. There was a card in, was it Aether Revolt or Kaladesh? Uh, It was was that block. I can't remember what set it was or the card name. Yeah, Mechanized Production. He he wasn't talking about planeswalkers. But it's making the rounds right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, where That's people why are, like, are posting the two cards together, and they're like, "Oh my god, look at this! Everything's connected. Conspiracy theory." Did 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 like no, but it's not. But it's not. Yeah. <laughs> if he was referring to planeswalkers, he would have said planeswalkers, or you would have seen the uh, like apostrophe w a l k e uh, e r s. I don't. I don't what? actually even know what you guys are talking about, honestly. <laughs> um, on the on the card, find it and send it on to the you. card from Aether Revolt, uh, Mechanized Production, which is an enchantment. I forget the casting cost. It's probably like six or seven, maybe even eight. Anyway, you put it on you put it on a uh, artifact, and every turn you get a copy of that artifact. When you have what is it, six or eight copies? Or six. Uh, it's a four drop, two blue, two generic. Oh, way off. Um, enchant artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a token that's a copy of enchanted artifact. Then, yep, if you control eight or more artifacts with that's the same right, okay. name as a, as in one another, you win the game. Oh, okay. And the and flavor text f- is uh, it says, "Give me eight walkers." That's it. Oh, right. So give me eight walkers, not capitalized, not planes walkers. Just N- give me eight walkers. I'll, I'll give you the city. Okay. So people are who, thinking... Like, and who said it? Uh, Dovin Bon. Dovin, yes. Yeah, but right. it, the mechanic, like, it's, it's yeah, he's talking to, like, or he's talking about, like, the walking suit armor, like... Right, like walking things. ballista or metallic yeah. mimic or anything else that they had in that set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but people are pooping themselves thinking he's talking about planeswalkers. Oh, people. 
Yeah. Making connections. People reacting on the internet. Um. Yeah. So, so yeah, that that's our that's our first uh, first Azorius card that we all agree is one of the best. Yes. So Dovin's Acuity. I think this is this is one of the best ones. Uh, as as far as other Azorius cards, nothing else on my list is officially an Azorius as uh, Azorius card as it does not have the watermark. But I would be remiss if I did not bring up Sphinx of Foresight. This is a 4-4 flying creature Sphinx for Sphinx. two blue and two generic. It has, at the beginning of your upkeep, Scry 1, which a 4-4 flyer that you scry each turn is great. It also has, you may reveal this card from your opening hand if you do Scry 3 at the beginning of your first upkeep. So it's like a Leyline Sphinx in that you get sweet, like you get to stack your deck at the start of the game. As if having a Sphinx in your opening hand wasn't enough reason to, like, think you're going to have a good game. This one guarantees it. So, uh... So... You remember, Mr. Chanel... Yeah. That in addition to talking about guilds, we're going to talk about monocolored cards, too, that don't have the guild symbols on them? Oh. Oh. It's okay, you got excited <laughs> for a Sphinx. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I only bring that up because the the, the Sphinx was what I chose for my uh, non-guild specific blue card. Oh, it was my the, the, the Sphinx is on my uh, honorable mention list, but it's 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 not technically Azorius, but it's right. it's absolutely Azorius. So. Oh, you know what's funny? Go. Sphinx of Foresight is also my mono blue card that I chose. <laughs> oh my god. For all those same so reasons. Good. It is... That for for four land, two generic and two blue, that much power and utility. I mean, it's it's silly. I, I don't understand how that card. <laughs> I don't understand so how that card is only a rare. I mean, that could be a mythic. Looking at it, it's uh, it's awesome, and I'm very excited for it. Sometimes sphinxes can be, they're 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 pretty powerful, and they also can be pretty um, cost intensive because of their power. But this one is like, I mean. It's bargain price for what it can do. <laughs> yeah, it's. I it's think awesome. Sphinxes, sphinxes are fantastic because they have they have the majesty of an eagle, they've got the power of a lion, and they've got the beard of a lumberjack. And when you combine all three of those elements, you can never lose. <laughs> that is true. You you are a wise man, Schnell. That, that is fucking beautiful. <laughs> um. Okay, so you don't have you had do you. you Sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> Stroking out here. You okay uh, there? You okay yeah, I there? think. I think. What? I think. I think. Uh, so, do you have so, anything else with an Azorius watermark? My my only Azorius watermark card is Dovin's Acuity. Despite despite not or despite picking it for the uh, the pre-release, uh, going through, there's nothing that like super jumps out at me. I like the addendum keyword. I like a lot of the stuff that I see with it. I don't think it's. I don't think it's top tier of any individual card as game changing. I think it's a lot of just like toolbox utility that will be good, but not utterly busted. Dovin's acuity, I think, like you said, can be can be really broken. Yeah, and I totally that's agree. That's why, and that's why it made the list. So that is my Azorius card. Uh, Teach, do you have anything uh, anything else Azorius to go through? I chose an Azorius card. My favorite Azorius card is Arrestor's Admonition. Uh, two and a blue for an instant. It says return target creature to its owner's hand. 
And with Addendum, if you cast a spell during your main phase, draw a card. Uh, this is merely a common, but this was by far my favorite of the Addendum cards, uh, simply because none of the Addendum cards uh, are cards that I want to put in specific decks, and that's okay. Uh, but I do draft a lot, and this card is exactly what I want to be doing in draft. It's, a, it's, an, it's an instant that removes a creature, uh, and a lot of people will tell you to hold on to your instants until the last possible second, but if they're tapped out and they have nothing else that they can do to respond to your instant, there's no reason to play that, to not play it during your main phase when you're going to get a card draw out of it too. Uh, so those are the uh, removing creatures and drawing cards are two things that I absolutely want to be doing in draft and having both of these effects on one card it gives it uh, it gives it a lot of versatility you know if I need it in a pinch and I need to use it for an instant I'm not going to hold on to it hoping for that card draw uh, but if I'm not in that dire of a situation there's no reason I'm not going to draw a card off it uh, yeah that's fine. And then the, the, the runner-up for me was the new Lavinia, um, but that's more of uh, like a constructed thing. Uh, oh, I should probably... I should have probably pulled her up here. Um, <laughs> Hang on while I tug one. Hold and on pull one. I, <laughs> <laughs> phone's real heavy. Oh, God. Um, where are you, baby? There you are. Come on, oh. baby, don't be like that. Don't hide from <laughs> me. On, girl. <laughs> Lavinia Azorius Renegade. 2-2 legendary human soldier for a white and a blue. Each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. And whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. So... It's just your 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 average. Uh, I shouldn't say your average. It's just, <laughs> yeah, your, just your average shit on Tron and Storm card. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you do regularly. It's a hate bear. It's what the children call a hate bear. Yeah. Um. And I'm okay with that. I, I mean, I like. It's a powerful card. It's it's really powerful. It's not. It's one of those cards where you never expect to see something like that in standard anymore and every once in a while they'll surprise you and print something with that level of power uh it's not a yeah i don't think it's going to be played in standard very much but definitely I, modern i think it's a modern sideboard card honestly yeah that's why i didn't um, make my list well which is fine i mean i don't play i don't play uh, white blue in modern anyway, and it's not going to—it's not ever going to be anything that I personally am going to come across. Uh, but I like the card design, and I appreciate uh, you know them printing answers for things that they think their formats need. So I, I liked it. I liked it. Good job. I gave a thumbs up to my computer as if it were my computer's. <laughs> Well job, well done, computer. You gave me good card. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. I, that was actually one card I was going back and forth uh, about whether I wanted to put it on my list or not. Um, I assumed someone else was going to put it on, so I wanted to grab something uh, that I didn't know if anybody else was going to talk about, and so far nobody else has. Um, do you have anything else, Azorius? Teach? Nope, I'm out. Okay, my la my second and final Azorius card on my list is uh, Senate Guildmage. It's a white and a blue, a 2-2 human wizard. 
Uh, tap a planes and tap it to gain two life, or tap an island and tap it to draw a card and then discard a card. Um, I just think that this is a card that's got some some good utility. Uh, if you're running it in a you know in a deck that's strictly Azorius colors, you don't have to shouldn't have to worry too much about mana fixing in order to get it out. Though you know it is specific, but at a smaller uh, cost, it's not like two and two or something like that. Uh, I just thought that. You know, coming up on uh, the pre-release weekend in a limited environment, uh, this would be pretty fun uh, and helpful. And I also think that it would be something that I would slot into uh, the Wizards deck that I run just to see kind of how it would perform in an EDH setting. Because I think it's got, I think it's got ability. What colors are your Wizards deck? Uh, Is it Grixis Wizards? What's that? Isn't it Grixis Wizards? Uh, I changed it out. <gasps> you did? I did. The precon yes. is Grixis, yeah, but I, I switched it out. Uh, oh. Right now, it is Esper. Oh. I did not know that. Surprise! Yeah. Uh, Orzov. For my Orzov card of choice, I went with the rare Tithe Taker. <gasps> a human yeah. soldier. 2-1 for a white and a generic. During your turn, spells your opponent's cast cost one generic more to cast, and abilities your opponents activate cost one generic more to activate unless they're mana abilities. It also has afterlife. So, not not quite the typical hate bear, just because it's not a 2-2 two, two for 2, it's a 2-1 two, for 2, but it's a... still call that a hate bear, though. Eh, kid, kids there, these days. There's always going to be someone who argues semantics, and they're like, nope, a bear is a 2-2 two, two for 2. They like to say too, but anyway, yeah. Just uh, again, uh, this one, despite being uh, this one, I think is slightly more mainboard than sideboard, because with all of the uh, removal spells flying around in standard right now, and there are a ton, forcing your opponent to just spend a little bit more and slowing them down. Even if their first spell is going to be just targeting Tithe Taker, uh, it also has afterlife. So not only does it make it inconvenient for them when they do waste the spell and the extra mana to kill it you get a creature out of it so he replaces himself or i'm assuming it's a yeah it looks like a gentleman uh yeah he'll he'll replace himself and he'll make your opponent uh have to pay a little bit more mana and he will win you the game calling it now (laughs) damn um so yeah that was that was the only real uh big orzov thing that jumped out of me uh i had as well on my honorable mention list I don't know how I feel about this, but I wanted to discuss it. So, if you guys are familiar, Final Payment. It is a black and a white instant. As an additional cost to cast the spell, pay 5 life or sacrifice a creature or enchantment. And it destroys target creature. I think I think this can be a very good removal spell because it's only 2 mana. The life option, I think, is going to be the last resort, but just being able to kill something outright for two in black and white right now, I think is going to be good, because a lot of the standard removal in those colors is... Like, white can do it for two... Well, usually three or four, and it's a lot of the exile removal stuff. Um, like, all the enchantment where it, you know, the the, the, ob- the Oblivion Ring equivalences that are going around right now. And black, uh, everything, like, 
everything for two has restrictions on it, but three and four is what uh, what everything else costs right now for just destroying a creature. So sacrificing a creature or an enchantment might be a good alternate payment just for that quick, cheap, you know, kill card. So that's 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 on my uh, honorable mention. I don't know. I, I want to know what you guys think about it as far as playability, formats. I think draft, it's a good option. What's the rarity on that? It's a... Oh, I scroll back. It's a pauper card, as the cool kids would say. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's common, so that's what I thought. I think that's a really good card too. And I think uh with afterlife being in the format, sacrificing creatures is gonna be the best way to go about that. That's kind of what I was gonna say too, is if you're building an Orsov deck, that's and that's one of the things obviously that I will be looking at um come next week, is that you know if you have to sacrifice something and you happen to have stuff with afterlife on the battlefield that you can turn into, you know, something more, uh, it definitely comes in handy. There's, there's one card, I forget what it's called, but, uh, it's got afterlife two, And when it dies, it creates two one, one black and white spirit tokens, maybe with flying, I think. Um, so I think, especially with a card like that, um, you know, it gives you, it gives you chumps uh, right back. Well, you know, and if you're and destruction, so and if you're running Orzov tokens with a uh, divine visitation, having a sack outlet for your afterlife creatures is going to be nothing but a benefit. Right, exactly. Because exactly. now they're coming back as four four angels. Yep. Good card. I like it. Okay. Final payment. Uh, that's it for my Orzov choices. Teej, what you got? All right. Uh, my first choice for Orzov is also the Tithe Taker. Uh, I was really happy with that card for all the same exact reasons that uh, Mr. Chanel laid out for us. But luckily I came prepared with a backup. My second favorite Orzov card is Kaya's Wrath. Oh yes. I really like that yes. one too. Two white, two black for a sorcery. Destroy all creatures. You gain life equal to the number of creatures you controlled that were destroyed this way. Um, now... The mana cost is a little prohibitive. You need two white and two black. But if you're in a dedicated Orzov deck, you're going to be able to hit that fairly easily. Uh, which turns the mana cost simply... or Kaya? Uh, Get hit that quite easily. Oh, you're hitting, talking sex jokes. Hitting, <laughs> hitting that is internet slang for intercourse. This is a family podcast? I no, don't think not. it is. No. Well, it used well, to be, it should just be. now. <laughs> I've I've dropped the fuck bomb once or twice already. <laughs> I have I have I have nothing but respect for Kaya. <laughs> she is a ghost assassin, and she has cool hair. And even though her planeswalker card kind of sucks this set, I still think yeah. she's an awesome character. Yeah, her her, her no, none of her printings made my uh, made my list. No. But anyway, I do like the fact that it is a four-mana wrath. Um, that was something that I think they said they were going to uh, Wizards is going to try to stay away from for a while. But obviously, they felt uh, four mana was worth this one. And I'm always on the lookout for cool wrath effects. Um, gaining one life for each creature that you uh, that you control that you destroy in that way isn't, uh, you know, necessarily mind-blowing of an effect, but it's uh, incidental life gain, which is always nice. 
and it's a it's it's a four mana wrath. I mean, in a game of EDH, you're going to have uh, other mana to start rebuilding your board right away uh, after wiping everything away with four mana. Um, I think it's a strong card, and I think it'll see some play. Well, and just look how consistent and devastating uh, Settle the Wreckage is in standard right now and arena. And that it, you're, you're limited with that one to attacking creatures only, and they get lands out of it. So just yeah. getting just getting life gain, I think, is huge, regardless of the, you know, four specific mana restriction on it. But Orzov, you're going to be afterlifing anyway, so... Or well, exactly. with the amount of token decks that are being played right now, if one of those token decks starts going off and you play that, I mean... Oh god, yeah. You they know, they, mean, they just... rage they rage quit right after that spell resolves. <laughs> yep. They might even in response quit if they're super cool. <laughs> if they're super cool. <clears throat> sweet. But yeah. That's sweet, yeah, sweet. that's uh That's a great card. I went uh I went a little more predictable. I have uh I have two Orzov cards here um on my list, and I went pretty predictable with them. Uh the first one is Kaya Orzov Usurper, her new planeswalker card. Uh, I, I really like all three of her abilities. Um, I just like Kaya in general. I'm, I'm glad to see her and I think it's, uh, I have nothing but the utmost respect for her, much like You kind of sound like you're trying to ask her to the prom, which is... I'm nervously trying to figure <laughs> I just, out a I, I like her. I, I respect her. <laughs> I think she's a great individual. <laughs> She's got really nice hair. If she's not doing anything later, <laughs> maybe she would want to go to the prom with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. If so not, her, that's cool. She comes in. She's so she's a three drop, um, generic white black. Uh, plus one exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard. You gain two life if at least one creature card was exiled this way. Minus one exile target non land permanent with converted mana cost one or less. And her minus five, her alt, Kaya Orsav Usurper, deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile, and you gain that much life. So, obviously, there is a, um, you know, the whole life gain uh, white side of Orsav here is really on flavor with the things that we've talked about, um, specifically the two Kaya cards we've mentioned. Um, I forget, uh, I might not have mentioned this yet, she comes out with uh, three loyalty, so it only takes two turns to get her to alt, depending on what your opponent's exile is looking like so she's her ultimate is achievable unlike maybe some other um planeswalkers out there so i i like this card i'm excited to see it i love orsov colors specifically black white vampires um so i'm i'm excited to see how i can use a card like this going forward see i was a little underwhelmed by her but but again i view her more as a sideboard option against a deck type that's not really being run right now because her first ability to exile two cards if you're if you're playing that against is it and jumpstart stuff it doesn't matter because they're they count most of their stuff in exile or instant sorceries in exile anyway so i don't i don't feel like she's as vital in most of the standard meta that you'd probably be playing up against and yeah, that's, that's also... fair um and I mean, me personally, I don't play a ton of standard anyway, but I can see how in a format, that's something that she would specifically be weak against. Yeah. Plus her, her one ability that only gets converted mana cost one or less. Um, 
I mean, what's even? I honestly don't know what's being played in in standard right now. That's converted man to one. I couldn't tell you either. Uh, Goblin um, instigator. <laughs> or wait, is that two? That's two. He's a two drop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's yes. he's one in a red, isn't he? Yeah, never mind. Yeah, I can't even tell you. And you're zero and one on those comments. So, well, guess what? Lawn War Elves. There, I'm back to five hundred. <laughs> boom, boom. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, so, I totally, I totally see the the weaknesses to it. I guess I'm looking at it from outside of a standard, you know, perspective. Uh, it, it, you know. But I can definitely see how, in the current standard metagame, uh, there are certainly plenty of things that she would be weak against. Yeah. And I usually go by the old standard of judging a Planeswalker by how well they protect themselves. And her plus one ability just doesn't really do it for me. No. I mean, right now, uh, Teferi is really, really good at protecting himself by just giving you the mana to counter their stuff. That, so that it's, plus one so where it's an, all that mana untaps is just stupid. Yeah, so he has he has the indirect protection. Like, you usually Planeswalkers would, like, give you a creature or something else, like some of the older ones that were, you know, good, or they'd give you card advantage. He gives you card advantage and the mana to do it. She is a, you know, again, targeted removal and life gain if if yeah if someone in, for some reason is afraid of her they need to play other stuff to protect her sure no and that's that's totally fair um the other orsov card that i picked is uh Teza karlov i just i she's a so she's a 2 4 for two generic one white one black uh i just really like the first part well, I guess I like both of her abilities here. Um, but so if a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So at hello afterlife and oh God, yeah. spamming the hell out of afterlife. Uh, and then also she gives uh, creature tokens you control vigilance and lifelink. So um, like I was saying, I can't think of the card it is, but the one that gives you the, the spirit tokens with flying. Well, now they come back. You double the amount you get. And they have flying vigilance and lifelink. <laughs> uh, so I think she's going to be super powerful in afterlife um, themed decks. So I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, her run as well. So Yeah, I was also considering Tasa. She was my um, my second and final Orsoff card. Plus, yeah. I just love, uh, you know, there's some great Karlovs. Boris Karloff. <laughs> great Karloffs. <laughs> Boris and the, the other one and Tasa, Natasha <laughs> and Tasha, Natasha. Uh, yeah, so that's. I just think I and and you know what? She probably should have been slotted before uh, Kaya, just because she's. Better. This is a family podcast. <laughs> well, excuse me. <laughs> you took it there. Yeah, Schnell took it there. I did. I, did. I was holding Schnell. Yeah, we all took it there together. I deal with memeing teenagers and jackasses in their early 20s just doing inappropriate things all day in the store. It rubs off sometimes. Uh, That's fair. You can't yeah. say that you did it again. You did it again. I did. I did. Um, so, yeah, next guild. Where do you guys want to go next? Um, I've been secretly just going right to left on the banners I have hanging in the shop. So <laughs> next next up will be Rakdos. Let's do it. 
Uh, for Rakdos, I I only have my honorable mention. I didn't have a specific Rakdos uh, card in the main list, but the honorable mention one, the one that I'm I'm excited for, uh, it's Skewer the Critics. It is the three damage to any target for three, or Spectacle. You may cast this card for its Spectacle cost, which is one red, uh, if your opponent lost life this turn. I think this one, like, uh, people are already going, hey, does this have a place in Modern Burn? Does this, you know, can can I replace something else with it? Um, I think it's good in that dedicated red deck wins. On its own, I'm not super thrilled about it, but I think it'll be a good supplement card or a good alternative card to people who, you know, are trying to just build that super cheap combo deck because by itself... Three damage for three. That's not that great. You need to have another card. So making it a lightning bolt, if you've already dealt them damage, or if they've already somehow dealt themselves damage on your turn, because it's sorcery speed as well. And that's what really gets me on this one. That's why it was only honorable mention. It is a sorcery lightning bolt if they've already taken damage. I like that card um, because of how on flavor it is with the Rakdos Guild. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> So yeah, going to going to a Rakdos show is dangerous. Trying to leave early can be fatal. <laughs> <laughs> hey oh. <laughs> so yeah, that was the only uh, that was the only Rakdos card I had to mention. Tej, what do, what do you got for Rakdos? All right, I can take this away. <laughs> that wasn't the segue I used last time. <laughs> <laughs> but the internet's not going to know. I have to find my card here. I have it somewhere. God. It's not you. Hey. This isn't your fault. <laughs> Say that was a joke. All right, there, I found you. All right. Here is my Rakdos card. Uh, it is the Theater of Horrors. It is an enchantment for one, a black, and a red. And it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top of card of your library. But wait, there's more. <gasps> During your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled with Theater of Horrors. But wait, there's more. For the low, low cost of three and a red, Theater of Horrors deals one damage to target opponent or Planeswalker. So here's why I like this card so much. Uh, this goes back to... Um, I was going to look this up, but I forgot to. I don't remember what card came first, if it was Chandra Pyromaster or if it was uh, Outpost Siege. Uh, but one of those two started the new thing that Red is trying to do uh, with Red Card Draw, where they both have an ability to exile a card from the top of your library until the end of the turn you have a chance to play that card. And I really found myself really enjoying that effect. Uh, I use those cards in EDH quite a bit, and I don't see anyone else really using them. Uh, nor do I read things on the internet of people using them, and I think it's a big mistake. I think that effect is very strong, and people aren't giving it a chance. Theater of Horrors kind of has the same effect, where you exile the top card of your library, uh, and you can play it this turn, uh, but only if an opponent lost life. This card actually has a few things going for it. Uh, it has the ability, 
for four mana to cause uh, to to do a damage to a player, which will allow you to play the cards you've exiled with it. You're also not limited to just playing the card you exiled that turn. It says uh, during your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled with Theater of Horrors. So you have the option of playing anything that has been previously exiled with Theater of Horrors, uh, which is a which is a, a a big step up from like Outpost Siege, where you only have until the end of the turn to play that one exiled card. And the third thing that this thing has going for it is it enables Spectacle, um, where Spectacle is the Rakdos mechanic, uh, where you get an alternate casting cost on a card. Uh, if an opponent was dealt down, or if an opponent lost life this turn, um, the you might get something for cheaper, or you might get something from uh, 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 that's more expensive, but you get a bonus effect off of it. And Theater of Horrors fits right in there. If you need that outlet to just hit somebody for something to start chaining into your spectacle spells, four man is kind of a, a lot to do it, but it's an option to do so. Uh, I think Theater of Horrors was a very well designed card. And even though uh, Spectacle, I'm not saying it's a bad mechanic, but it just wasn't the one that excited me of this set. Um, I'm, and it's not my style of play personally, uh, but I do see its power, and Theater of Horrors is a good enabler for that. So it's got some uh, uh, limited play. Uh, I don't know if this is going to see any standard play, probably not, but it definitely is going to have its uses in, uh, like, it, like EDH or something. I can probably see playing this. Uh, so that was my choice for Rakdos, not Gruul. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree with you, e- EDH over, over standard, certainly not yeah. modern, but... No. This is one of those, this is one of those cards where, uh, uh, uh competitive players don't like it. Too slow, not going to do anything for you. Uh, but us filthy casuals, which I am, no matter what Chanel says, uh, I really like this card. Your your mouth says casual, but your deck list says competitive. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I picked a couple Rakdos cards, too. Actually, uh, let me rephrase that. I picked a few because my mono black card has a Rakdos watermark on it. So I'll start with the uh, with the gold uh, Rakdos, you know, uh, guild first. Uh, I had to go. I had to go here. I had to pick him. I had to pick him because he's back. He's finally back, the Lord of Riots himself. But this time, the Showstopper Rakdos. Oh God, yeah, Rakdos, the Showstopper. Uh, he is a six-six flying trample for six land, four uh, generic, and one black and one red. Uh, like I said, he's got Flying and Trample, and when Rakdos the Showstopper enters the battlefield, flip a coin for each creature that isn't a demon, devil, or imp. Destroy each creature whose coin comes up tails. I just think that's a pretty sweet ability, but it's also so on flavor for the Rakdos guild that it's... I mean, they couldn't have come up... They couldn't have designed a better like card for the character of Rakdos, um, in my opinion. And I just love that the flavor text is simply entertain me i just, just everything about I do that, like card, that flavor text every everything about that card is so on on guild if you will he would have made my list but his creature type does not include pro wrestler and with the name like the showstopper 
I, unless unless Mark Rosewater puts out a, like a, a, a an errata or whatever, I can't I can't play him if he's not a pro wrestler with the name of like <laughs> with a name like the Showstopper. If he's not going up against Chris Jericho, Y two J. My second. Uh, oh God, he's killing half of them based on coin flips. <laughs> oh my God, he's like a man possessed. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, Flame Blade Artist is my second Rakdos card. Um, he is a 2-2 two, two for 2, 1 black, 1 red. He is a human shaman. He has haste, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, Fire Blade Artist deals 2 damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Uh, I just thought that if you're running him in a token deck or something like that, I just I feel like this is a card that there's going to be a lot of uses for. And it's another card I'm interested in seeing how people play it. So it may not be one of the best cards, you know, right out of the box um, when people are looking at how the set is spoiled. But I think it's a card that potentially has a lot of upside to it. And I'm anxious to see if and how people use it. I may be eating my words in three months, but I just I think there's a place for this card. And like I said, I want to see how the community, how, how players handle it and and use it so yeah those are the two like gold rakdos cards the the uh mono black rakdos card that i have um he's got the watermark he's he's a demon and it's the spawn of mayhem so he is a four four flying trample for four land two generic and two black uh his spectacle cost is three and at the beginning of your upkeep, Spawn of Mayhem deals one damage to each player. Then, if you have ten or less life, put a plus one plus one counter on Spawn of Mayhem. So yeah, I mean he's 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 one one generic mana cheaper if you've already dealt damage uh, to your opponent, or it, uh, you know if your opponent lost life somehow this turn. Uh, he costs one less, so you can get him for three. I just think that the. A 4-4 flying trample for 4 already is uh, pretty damn good. But then you look at the beginning, uh, or I'm, sorry, I'm reading the flavor text as I'm moving on. Or not the flavor text, the, the ability. <laughs> say, Jesus. There's no flavor text on this card. Still stroking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Take that as you will. Um, no, his, his ability. So, you know, at the beginning of your upkeep, it deals 1 damage to each player. Then if you have 10 or less life, you get he gets a plus 1, plus 1 counter. So, he makes himself better while he's dealing damage, yes, to you, but also to everyone else, which is, again, very on point for what a Rakdos card should be. And I just th- I just think that this card has a chance to be something awesome. So it's just another card I'm really excited to see how he's used. He's real neat. He is real, real neat. neat. But, he, but he hurts you real bad. He does. He, he does hurt you real it, bad. It, it, it burns when he pees. Um... <laughs> So we have two guilds left. Write a song about him one day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. Anyway, uh, our fourth guild of the day is Gruel. Hey, it's time for Gruel. I'm ready for this one. Gruel, then die. (laughs) My the only my on my list the only Gruel card that shows up on my list is. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Burning Tree Vandal. 
I like uh, that this is too. this is a common. I was, this I was is a. Say, if you took my card, I'm gonna be so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one, and it's the best. Uh, he is a human rogue for a red and two generic. He is a two-one with riot. So he enters the battlefield with your choice of a plus one plus one counter or haste. And when he attacks, you may discard a card. If you do, draw a card. I absolutely love this thing for Gruel. I think it's one like one of the best riot options because you can cycle through your deck and red as as Tej was saying earlier with his gruel slash Rakdos whatever he was <laughs> going through. Um, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. Yeah, uh, card draw has always been kind of a, a lacking thing in red, and they try to do it in a roundabout way. But just repeatable, reusable. Every time it swings, and you can swing the turn you cast it, you can start like shaping your hand. I think with red, and especially red-green, I think this guy is going to be fantastic, and he is going to be a hell of a lot of fun to play in draft. He might even see some play in some uh, some Gruel Standard decks. I'm interested to see uh, some Riot Standard decks. I, I I really like I really like him. That was one of my favorite Gruel cards. I debated putting him on my list, uh, but he did not make my cut. Teej, what made your cut? All right. If you list off a uh, Simic card, I'm going to just fuck it. <laughs> Please. All right. For one, a white and a blue. This card. That was a joke. <laughs> no. Uh, I actually have two Gruel cards that I'm excited about. Uh, one of them is stronger than the other. So I'm going to start with the... Uh, the runner up here, uh, the one that I chose was the Bullrack Clan Crusher. This is a 4-4 Ogre Warrior for 3, a red and a green. It has an activated ability that reads, tap and remove a plus 1 plus 1 counter from a creature you control. Bullrack Clan Crusher deals 2 damage to any target. And I really like this card and let me tell you why. Uh, as soon as uh, previews started coming out and Adapt was spoiled, the majority of the world was like, Oh, Adapt sucks. You can only do it once. It's like monstrous. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, shut up, idiots. Adapt <laughs> is great. Uh, I said there's no way they're going to put a mechanic in this set with with the caveat of you can only uh, you can only do it once if it has a counter on it without ways to remove counters. That's just what Simic is going to do. We're still talking about Gruel. Let me get there. Um, furthermore, once we started seeing Riot, where you have the choice of having a creature enter with a plus one plus one counter or have it gain haste. Um, I looked at that and immediately thought that Gruel and Simic were going to be great overlap partners in limited play. Apparently, because I am a filthy competitive player, and that's what all the competitive people are saying. Just, just for EDH. Just for EDH. Oh, competitive for EDH. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> anyway. Um. So my plan for. Uh, Ravnica Allegiance Limited is going to force myself green, and then either red is going to be the next color available, or blue is going to be the next color available. It's going to be one of them. Uh, Riot synergizes really well with Adapt. Adapt synergizes really well 
with 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 Riot. Um, but then you got things in uh, some monocolored and some dual colors where you are allowed to remove the plus one plus one counters, and that's where Volrak Clan Crusher comes into play here. Uh, you can have something enter the battlefield with a crush with a plus one plus one counter, and the crusher can remove it to shock something. But at the same time, if you're splashing for blue, or you've just got some mono green adapt things that you want to adapt again, Bullrat Clan Crusher can help you to be able to adapt again by removing that counter and doing two damage to stuff. And as soon as these cards were coming out, this was the effect that I was looking for, the ability to remove counters for value. This is exactly what I want to be doing this set in draft. I'm really happy with Bullrat Clan Crusher and some of the other cards that remove plus one plus one counters. Hey, Teach. So, so, yeah. Uh, that is the runner-up in my uh, Gruel list as well. Uh, right. Exactly for all the all the reasons you said, I think it's going to have a lot of um, synergy, uh, you know, and uh, with adapt specifically. And I also think that he would be a lot of fun um, outside of of standard or limited play in in a teamer deck. So I think that uh, that you know, much for the same reasons you just said, and also uh, outside of. You know, guild specific stuff. I'm looking at uh, him in in teamer decks as well. I just think that uh, it's going to be a, a really fun card to use. I think so too. I'm excited to give him a shot. I'm glad. I'm glad we had the same card. Me you, too. You saved me a lot of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> what's let's your What's your if, number uh, one? I was going to say, let's see if we share this one. Uh, my top gruel card that i'm super excited about is domri chaos bringer i don't normally get excited about planeswalkers too often unless they're the cool chandras that let me exile the top card and play it but domri chaos bringer's got a really cool effect here uh first of all it is a uh five loyalty planeswalker for two a red and a green Right there, you're getting more loyalty than mana you're putting into, so that's really cool. You don't see that very often. Um, and his plus one is add red or green. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, it gains riot. Uh, which, again, the creature spell gains riot, so you have your choice of it entering the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter, or with haste. That ability right there is most likely going to be the ability I use most often. Uh, as soon as I saw Domri Chaos Bringer, I thought I need to make a home for this in my Intet the Dreamer EDH deck, uh, which wants to attack as soon as possible. Um, and using the red or green uh, helps me to cast my, my commander or anything else that I want to attack with right away in my deck um, because I'm going to give it haste. Uh, uh, it's not it's not the best ramp because it's a four mana ramp card, uh, uh, but the fact that it um, has the ability to give you the mana and give your creature haste if you use that mana to cast creature, that's very strong, uh, and I expect this to see a lot of play because of that. Uh, the other abilities uh, minus three. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards from among them and put them into your hand. 
put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. That's another effect that synergizes with my Intet deck a little bit, because my that deck likes to play with the top card of my library. Um, this one digs me four cards deep, and any creatures uh, I find, I can put them into my hand and the rest go on the bottom. It digs me four cards deep into my deck. I've got a lot of things that'll let me look at the top three. Um, and one of the things with that deck is uh, I don't have enough shuffle effects in there. That's something I need to work in there because if I get uh, uh, if I get stuck with those three cards, I'm not doing anything. I'm just dead in the water there. But uh, Domery here, he's going to dig me four cards deep and, and potentially get me out of that hole, which I'm super excited about. And his last ability is minus eight. You get an emblem with, at the beginning of each end step, create a 4-4 four, four red and green beast creature token with trample. That effect I don't really care much about. I'm never going to try to uh, limit break my Domri Chaos Bringer. Mostly in there for the mana and the haste and the occasional uh, digging down four cards. But Domri Raid, uh, or excuse me, Domri Chaos Bringer. Planeswalker that got me super excited. Doesn't happen often. Uh, thumbs up to my computer again. Uh, that's another card. It, I was. Um thinking about putting it on my list i didn't i also was thinking that um i kind of like to just for shits and giggles try that card in like uh red green dinos um it'd be good in dinos yeah i just thought a little bit of ramp a little bit of fun uh in in red green dinos uh but my number one gruel card was a card that everybody's been talking about since it's been spoiled it's it's no shock it's gruel spellbreaker uh three three for three <laughs> <laughs> I, I expected i expected you to go to some sort of common removal spell <laughs> it's no shock it's no shock it's lightning strike <laughs> <laughs> uh man i really should have thought that, of that is what set i set myself up with something say. um yeah. <laughs> yeah no gruel spellbreaker like i said three three for three one generic one red one green um he's an ogre warrior and he's got riot so again riot uh, comes into play with a plus one plus one counter or haste. Um, he also has trample, and as long as it's your turn, you and Gruel Spellbreaker have hexproof. I just think it's a really fun card. I think it's going to be good in limited and also outside of limited play. And I just think it kind of um, like basically encapsulates everything that uh, Riot should be. Um, I get to pick whether this three three trample becomes a 4-4 trample or if i can try to swing at you with it um as soon as i put it on the battlefield and it certainly doesn't hurt that he gives me and himself hexproof uh whenever it's my turn so just a card that i think is going to be a lot of fun might be a little bit broken um it'll be cool to see how people actually put it to use so that's my number one gruel see and i i left him off my list i wanted to originally and then i started thinking about it flavor wise and thematic wise the hexproof on your turn is neat but and going going back to azorius azorius their whole thing is addendum getting people to cast things main phase their turn not only do they get more benefit from it his abilities do nothing so it's the the pendulum swings back and forth but it swings a lot farther towards your opponents i think in in these sealed formats and depending on how uh standard shapes up with that so that's why he didn't make my list totally fair that's how i that's how i poo poo that guy poo 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 
poo-poo. But he is he is definitely anti-settle the wreckage, and it's, I, <laughs> and I do I love, love that. Yeah, because F settle the wreckage. Exactly. He just gives the big middle finger to it. Uh, hey, there's one guild left. There is. Chanel, do you want to read your final banner? Yep, we're going back to Azorius. Uh, we have Simic. Simic, Simic, Simic. I do have to keep going to Azorius because of my, my Sphinx overlords and, you know, bureaucracy. But with Simic, we have... Uh, I I actually have three choices for this one. My uh, my my limited uh, respect for the other guilds. Uh, this, one, this one, a lot of cards made it through my list. Uh, let's start with the lower end of the spectrum. We have Growth Spiral. Instant. One blue, one green. Draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. I love this thing because it's cheap mana ramp, and it says put a land from your hand onto the battlefield. So in a format that will now, in a standard format that will now have 10, no, 11 uh, guild gates, being able to drop them quicker, as I knock shit over, uh, being able to drop gates quicker, I think, will will lead me to try and deck build and force in standard some stupid gate, you know, gate gate structure. What am I thinking of? Uh, gate tribal. Yes, I will try to build gate tribal around <laughs> blue green and that uh, giant ten ten guy that gets cheaper for each gate. Oh, for you each have. gate you have, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think growth growth spiral is going to help me do it. I think you're right. And it's pauper legal. Sure is. Uh, so, Growth Spiral. Ta- uh, that is that is choice three. Choice number two, Galloping Lizrog. We have a 3-3 th- <laughs> three, three Frog Lizard for three, a green, and a blue. Uh, he is a 3-3 three, three Trampler. And when he enters the battlefield, you, remove, you may remove any number of plus one, plus one counters from among any creatures you control if you do put twice that many plus one plus one counters on galloping lizrog this is just a ridiculous simic card it's an uncommon a three three trampler for five is just a hair outside of uh, you know it's a hair outside of playable under normal circumstances the fact that so many simic things get plus one plus one counters that he can just eat all of them and then you can you can have a giant trampler and all your guys can just readapt after after he eats their counters. I think this guy's just gonna be a fun like, hey, if you don't kill him, you die when he swings next turn. Yep, he was on my list too. He's he's also on my list. Uh, he's uh, like the right. new. Everybody shit themselves over Yargle, and then he became a meme. Um, oh yeah, but this guy's like even better. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, <laughs> this guy's good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I guess it doesn't take much to be better, does it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and in I, this, this card just in a, this. Sorry. Go on. In this context, like I said, of just being able to readapt everything that you pulled counters off of. There's no real like you're you're down a little bit, but you're not out. If they do end up just you know killing him right away, you can just get all those counters back over time. Yep. Exactly. And that's one of the things I was thinking about too. Um, when I was looking at him and what he can do in like conjunction with some of these new mechanics that we're seeing released with this set. So yeah, he's actually, uh, he's actually the top one on my Simic list. I'm really excited about this card. And now my top one, uh, we have Benthic Biomancer. 
Uh, he is a rare 1-1 Merfolk Wizard Mutant for 1 blue and has Adapt for 1 and blue, Adapt 1. If he has no uh, plus 1, plus 1 counters, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it. And when 1 or more plus 1, plus 1 counters are put on Benthic Biomancer, draw a card, then discard a card. I have always been a fan of the Merfolk Looter and the Looter ability, draw and discard. Uh, being a 1-drop one 1-1 one, one for a blue and being able to adapt the next turn, cycle your hand, and then have a 2-2 two, two that you could swing with if you have nothing else to drop, I think is good on its own. Then combine that with any number of other remove plus 1 plus 1 counters for effects things. Uh, there's that one uh, uh, merfolk out of... Rivals of Ixalan, that I believe you pay three and remove a plus one, plus one counter from something to draw a card. So you could just go back and forth with those. I don't think it's going to be super standard playable, but I'm thinking uh, it might be a fun, like, Merfolk, uh, Merfolk option. Because Merfolk in standard right now can be a lot of fun, and it's very, very fast. So any, any Merfolk that's a one-drop will probably find a home, and being able to pump them up themselves... Or you you play this guy and then Jade Light Ranger and put a plus one plus one counter on him and get a creature and get the card cycling. I think this guy's gonna be fantastic. I do too. Uh, he was I was looking at putting him in my list and I actually went with something different though. But I, sure. I do really I do really like him. Tej, what do you have, Thanks. Simic? Uh, well, I had. Five cards for my Simic choices. We all love Simic. And Chanel, you already chose one of them. So Simic, I think, is the guild that I'm most excited about playing. Uh, I like Adapt. I don't care what anyone says. Um, I've, I've seen your arguments on the uh, Facebook pages. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Adapt is, Adapt is great. So... Uh, Four of my five choices had to do with the adapt mechanic. Um, the one I have in no particular order here. Uh, the first one I've pulled up here is Biomancer's Familiar. 2-2 uh, Mutant for a green and a blue. Activated abilities of creatures you control cost two less to activate. Uh, it's just two generic mana. Um... And it has a, a little caveat here that says the effect can't be reduced, can't reduce the amount of mana and ability costs to less than one mana. So you always have to pay at least one. Um, but that makes your adapting cheaper, which is pretty cool. Uh, but the ability that gets really, that gets, uh, that's, I'm really excited about is you can tap this mutant, and the next time target creature adapts this turn, it adapts as though it had no plus one, plus one counters on it. Um, I like this for two reasons. I like this one because it allows you to adapt again, uh, even if it still has a plus one plus one counter on it. I'm really glad they made an effect uh, that allows you to do that. And the second reason I like this card is because something that people sometimes overlook is uh, you can adapt as many times as you want. There's nothing stopping you from spending your mana to adapt a creature. But if it has a plus one plus one counter on it, it's just not going to do anything. It doesn't mean you can't do it anyway. Uh, so this just says the next time you activate that pointlessly, it actually has a point this time. So have fun, guys. Um, the next one I have on my list here is the Trollbred Guardian. 
this is a 5-5 Troll Frog Warrior for 4 and a green. It has Adapt 2 for 2 and a green. And each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has Trample. Um, I threw this one in here and I did not include the new Zagana because Zagana has that same ability, I believe. Each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has Trample. I specifically included this one because it's mono green. And this is the synergy I was talking about earlier with Riot. Uh, you can throw this thing in your Gruul deck and every riot creature you play that comes into play with a counter on it is going to have trample. As that it doesn't have to adapt or anything. Uh, that's that cross guild synergy that I really like to see. Uh, and I'm really excited about playing Trollbred Guardian uh, in 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 any deck. This is those this is the card I'm looking for to force that green and just give me the option to deviate down the riot path or the adapt path, whichever one is is open. The next one on my list is the Combine Guild Mage. Another yeah, two two. Yeah, I really like that one. Yes, another two two for a green and a blue. This one's a Merfolk Wizard, uh, and it has two really great abilities. Uh, I honestly think this might be the best Guild Mage this set. Uh, the first ability, the first ability, one and a green and tap. This turn, each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. Um, this one you got to be a little bit careful with uh, uh, because your adapt creatures are going to enter with a plus one plus one counter on it, which means that if you activate their adapt, they're not going to get a second counter. That being said, this completely bypasses the 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 need to actually adapt your creature. It's just going to come into play with those plus one plus one counters. Uh, but you can have this in a deck with riot creatures, right? And you can have your riot creature enter with two counters, or the one counter from the guild mage, and then the the haste from the riot. Um, there's a lot of crossplay here with the combine guild mage. And then the other ability, uh, one into blue and tap, move a plus one plus one counter from a creature you control onto another creature you control. This is that counterplay that 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 I knew was coming this set, and I get really excited about this. Just like the uh, the the Balrack Clan Crusher, the ability to remove counters or move them around so you can adapt again. Um, this one you don't necessarily get an effect like the 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 Crusher does two damage when you remove a counter. This one you're just shifting a counter around, uh, but it still allows you to adapt again if that's what you need to do. Um, pop that thing on a flyer that you need to punch that extra damage through, or something uh, big like a big uh, generic green creature that doesn't have trample throw the counter on with a guild mage and then uh, the, the the guardian will give it trample because it has the counter on it um, yeah those are all the, the those are all the counter uh, plus one plus one counter things that I got super excited about and we can't wait to start drafting this set and playing around with those abilities um, the other one I pulled out uh, was Prime Speaker Vanifar. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the, the 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 birthing pot on a stick. People are really excited about two four elf ooze wizard for two a green and a blue, uh, and she simply has one activated ability: tap and sacrifice another creature. 
Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to 1 plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. You can activate this ability only anytime you could activate a sorcery, or cast a sorcery, I should say. It's an effect we've seen before on Birthing Pod, which is an artifact that costs 4 mana or 3 mana and 2 life, with an ability that you put 2 mana in or 1 mana and 2 life and then tap it to sack a creature and get another creature out. It's not a it's not an original effect. We've seen this effect on four before in a number of different things. But the fact that they have it printed again means that people can access this again. And if this is the kind of effect you want your deck built around in, well here you go. Take this, run with it, have a great time. It's a really good effect. It's a really strong effect. And I'm happy seeing it again. I mean, I, this isn't a card that I'm itching to go out and get. It's not one that I'm actually looking for. Uh, not like Domri Raid or that Sphinx. Uh, but it is one where if I see this card, I'll be happy to have it in case I want to use it in the future. And then one runner-up card, uh, Sharkto Crab. <laughs> yes, because Sharko crab. Yeah, there's no other no other explanation needed. Nope. <laughs> um, I almost put him on my list strictly for that same reason. Um, <laughs> so I'm completely blanking right now. You said Biomancer's familiar, right? I said familiar. Uh, yep. Okay. Schnell said the actual Biomancer. Right. So Tej, I'm with you. I also had the familiar um, as my second and final uh, Simic card, and and like you said, I really like the ability, um, his tapping ability. So the next time target creature adapts this turn, it adapts as though it had no plus one plus one counters on it. Plus, I also like the fact that um, he lowers the cost of activated abilities um, by two generic. Um, just super useful, super cheap. Um, I like him a lot. And the only other thing I wanted to point out before we moved on from Simic is another thing about that Galloping Lizrog. Um, it's just another card that's got perfect flavor text. It literally just oh God, says, yeah. I might have overfed him. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, I totally forgot to point it out before. I think it's hilarious. Um, some of the, the flavor text lately on a bunch of stuff has just been so on point. I, I love it. And that just makes me laugh every time I see it. So, yeah. Um, that was my Simic. Okay. So now we just got some cleanup, huh? Outside of did it. guilds. Yeah, some cleanup. Okay. So uh, while while Tej was uh, wrapping up his uh, Vanifar, I went ahead and cut down the remaining cards I had on my list to five monocolored. Uh, some of them are clearly guild related, but they don't have the guild watermark, so we didn't qualify them for the you know guild cards. But I will just rapid-fire go through these. If they're on your list, great. If you think I'm an idiot for including them, let me know. But we will start off with white with Forbidding Spirit. A 3-3 three, three for 3, 2 white and a generic. Uh, spirit Cleric, when he enters the battlefield until your next turn, creatures can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control unless their controller pays 2, color, or two generic for each of those creatures. Uh, he's a Ghost Quarter for a turn when he comes into play. And being a 3-3 three, three for 3 at Uncommon, I think that's that's a solid card. And even if it just prevents your opponent from, you know, swinging out and killing you, I think he's a fantastic thing to just sit on until the right moment and drop him, screw up your opponent's plan, and have a 3-3 three, three on board. So Forbidding Spirit is my white card of choice. Uh, I then have two black ones in a row. 
even though it does not have the Rakdos watermark, Cry of the Carnarium. Car Carnarium. Uh, two black and a generic sorcery. All creatures get negative two, negative two until the end of the turn. Exile all creature cards in all graveyards that were put there from the battlefield this turn. If a creature card would die this turn, exile it instead. A three-drop mini board wipe in black, I really, really like. It doesn't it, it's not direct damage, but it makes everything smaller. So it's a good thing to drop after, you know, swinging with a bunch of little piddly guys and then just board wiping and clearing graveyards. I think this card is a fantastic addition to any deck that is dealing with uh, Creature Swarm, which I'm seeing a lot of in Arena. I've got Ritual of uh, Soot in my current Rakdos deck, and it's usually game-winning. I've had uh, Merfolk players just scoop outright as soon as that thing resolves i think cry of the canarium is just going to be is going to be almost as useful and if nothing else it's a budget version of it which not knowing the price of it i'm going to say it's a budget version of it until uh we actually see what the prices are for these cards uh card number three the last rare on my list pestilence spirit uh three two for three a black and two colorless two generic i'm going to keep specifying uh, 3-2 with Menace and Death Touch and Instance and Sorcery spells you control have Death Touch. God damn is all I have to say about that thing. Uh, yeah, I love that. That second part is just unbelievable. Oh my god, yeah. every And, and we're still going to have stuff like, uh, what is it, Fork Bolt or Twin Bolt or whatever. Uh, the one red deal one damage to uh, two targets out of uh, Ixalan. Oh, so, yeah, I don't remember which one. Yeah, yeah, so Rak Rakdos could just splash stuff like that and just instantly remove any creature it needs to. I think that <laughs> I, I'm i going to shoot for a playset, and if I get a time-stamped foil off of somebody after the uh, tournament, whatever I paid won't be enough for that stupid thing. Yeah, that card's just going to be stupid good. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy what it can do. Um, and then the last two ones are kind of goofy honorable mention. <laughs> Ceruli Caretaker. For one green, it's a Dryad with Defender. It's a 0-3. You tap it and tap an untapped creature you control to add a mana of any color to your mana pool. I like this one, and I, I like it a lot more than I think I should, but a 0-3 Defender for three, or for, for one drop, I really like, and I picture this in my Selesnya deck with my Amara, where you tap this thing and tap Amara, so you get a lifelink creature token, and you get a mana of any color, so it's perfect mana fixing. It helps you tap her. I don't know if there's anything else in standard right now. Teach, help me out on this, that benefits from being tapped? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. That's why, like, I... And most of the cards on my list, like, no offense compared to, like, your, your list, I've been trying to go with stuff that just... These cards either by themselves or they help others. Versus I've noticed a lot of stuff on your list works with others or needs other cards specifically. Like your uh, Simic Mutant thing on its own, garbage. If you have, yeah, in a, in a vacuum, trash card. In a vacuum, this thing is still a solid turn one drop. So that's, that's kind of how I, I went to formulate my list, which is why this thing was, it, it, despite not being probably that good, is still going to be on the list. And the last one, I have no idea how it made the cut. Undercity Scavenger. Is this on anyone else's list? 
uh, standout. Okay. Now, it is a black and three generic for a 3-3 Ogre Warrior. When it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. If you do, put two plus one plus one counters on it, and then scry two. So it's a 5-5 five, five for four if you sack a creature and you scry two. At common, I think this thing is awesome. That could be cool, yeah. Worst worst case, you play it, it's a 3-3 three, three for four vanilla. If you have anything else to sacrifice, and being black, you can throw this in one of your afterlife decks as another sack outlet for something. Get your afterlife trigger, get whatever else you need, make a 5-5 five, five for four, and get to scry. I think this guy's going to see some play somewhere. I, I want somebody to sneak him into a deck. If it, if it has to be me, I'll fall on that, you know, grenade. But I like this guy a ton, even though he's kind of derpy. But you don't have to sacrifice, and you get the vanilla. You get to sacrifice, and he's a 5-5 five, five with a scry trigger. So those those are rounding out my last, the last cards on my list. Yeah, he's 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 fun too. I, I like him. Yeah. Teej, finish out I your list. I what will, do you got? I will I will start. Uh, the white card of choice that I picked was Smothering Tithe. Oh yes. I was really excited about this card. I like that one a lot too. <laughs> Four mana enchantment, three and a white. Whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two. If the player doesn't. You create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap, sacrifice this artifact, add one mana of any color. This is ramp, uh, and it's in white, and this isn't an effect that white sees very often. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that ramps as well as Smothering Tithe does for white. This might be the best white, like mono-white ramp card that white has. Um, no one, no one, I can't see anyone who doesn't want you to have that treasure enough where they're going to pay two for drawing a card. That just doesn't seem like something that's going to happen very often. So you're constantly getting treasure tokens. Um, counter argument? You've yes. specifically said that you hate cards that give your opponent a choice, and this one gives them the choice on each one. They, they can pay extra to stop it. That's actually a very good point. I didn't think of it quite that way. Um, that being said, up, I think <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that that being said, I think it's a fantastic card. And my favorite part of uh, it being spoiled was the Mark Rosewater thing, where I had to remember what the word deciduous was because oh, they yeah. were talking because they were talking about treasure tokens being a deciduous thing now in magic where it's oh. not just set specific where right. treasure tokens will crop up anywhere that they feel appropriate so yes. you can use your $173 money bags treasure tokens <laughs> yes yes <laughs> uh, smothering tithe is, is is a card i'm on the lookout for and i'm going to grab every copy that i can that i can find um, my blue card of choice was the Sphinx of Foresight, which we already spoke about. Uh, for her flying Sphinx for two and two blue. If you reveal it, you get to scry three at the beginning of the game. Otherwise, at the beginning of your upkeep, you scry one. Love that card. We don't need to talk about that anymore. 
Pestilent Spirit, we also already talked about. Uh, I love that for the same reasons Chanel does. Gorgeous um, art, too. Oh, that art is great. Um, <laughs> I like I like it when instants and sorceries get things like Death Touch. Yeah. Or Lifelink. Or Trample was in the last Unset, I think, right? Oh, yeah, it was. Um, oh, that was the most ridiculous thing. Your spells have <laughs> your spells have trample. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, or wither. Uh, there was that uh, black red enchantment that gave your uh, uh, instances sorceries wither. I thought that was really cool too. So giving these keywords uh, that you normally only see on creatures to instances and sorceries is really cool dis- design space, and I really like that. Agreed. Um, the mono red card that I settled on here is Electro Dominance. It is an instant for two red and X. And it says Electro Dominance deals X damage to any target. You may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. Uh, I think this is actually a really cool card because what uh, a lot of control decks have to leave mana up in order to do their controly things, uh, which means they're taking a turn off of playing things they otherwise would normally play, Electro-Dominance gets around that. Because not only did you leave up mana to cast a, a burn spell on a creature or to someone's face, but whatever X was, you get to play something that costs that from your hand for free immediately. Um, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, that being said, I feel like this card is going to piss me off really quickly in the future. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that I don't like it now. And I, As you oh, go through this one, I, I looked at this one and I ended, I ended up passing on it because I, in my thought and like you know imaginary playtesting of this card, it's by the time I have enough mana for X to make it worth it, I'm not going to have anything left in my hand to cast. But... Pointing out the control situation, and when I read the when I actually read it again, you may cast a card for uh, that costs X or less. So uh, you could drop a creature. Yeah. Yeah. And you could drop a creature. You could drop a second burn spell. You could drop a counter spell. And I originally just interpreted this as well. First off, it has the best flavor text in the game right now. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> We basically we turn a bunch of little lightnings into one big lightning. So that's how I interpreted the play of this card, where it's oh, I electrodominance for for four, and then I also lightning bolt you or whatever. You know, it's I like well, like, you uh, probably would have bolted already at that point. But I feel like Jim Butcher wrote that flavor text. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that. I so now I need an electrodominance with like the uh, with with a black trench coat and right? you know. That, that sweet Dresden hat. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, and my final card on my list here, uh, Guardian Project. Guardian Project is an enchantment for three and a green, and it says whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if it doesn't have the same name as another creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, draw a card. Uh, this is Highlander card. Uh, Highlander was a format we saw in Arena for a minute. Uh, I'm sure they're going to bring it back because it was super popular. But Highlander uh, is also EDH. There can right? only be one. Uh, there mm-hmm. can only be one. 
This fits mm. so perfectly in those types of formats. Because, of course, you're not going to have a non-token creature that has the same nade as something else that you control or in your graveyard. Unless you're playing, like, clone things. But even then, that's kind of few and far between. If this is in your deck, I doubt you're going to be playing clones too often. Uh, this is just a, a, a great way to uh, draw cards. And I'm a big fan of, um, uh, like, set it and forget it. Unless you, not necessarily, because you don't want to forget <laughs> you, your triggers. Yeah, I was going to say, that's missed triggers, yeah. That's missed, you don't want to do that. Um, but you don't have to put any more mana into this. Uh, uh, you just throw it down, play a creature, draw a card. Um, drawing cards is always very strong. Uh, this card really spoke to me, and I'm excited to get a couple of these as well. Do you, do you also uh, like Beast Whisperer? I do like Beast Whisperer. Um, I I viewed I viewed Guardian Project as another it's it's a slightly more restricted Beast Whisperer, but it's a little bit more difficult to deal with because it's an enchantment, not a creature. So I I put those kind of on the same on the same tier. And Beast Whisperer, I'm running a little bit in my uh, um, Golgari mid range deck right now, but it's not it's not as good as I would like it to be. And I figured Guardian Project would probably end up being about the same. That's fair. Um, in EDH, absolutely. Oh, definitely in EDH. That's all I got. All right. All right. So I will Nelson, finish up. Take us home. Yeah, I'll finish up my list. Uh, okay, so my black and blue cards were already covered. So I had Spawn of Mayhem from black and the Sphinx of Foresight from blue. Um, my mono green. I'm all pro- I'm proud of us all for having that card in our list. It's just such a good fucking card. <laughs> Sphinx. Um, yeah, my mono green. I I love I love the ooze cards in Magic. So when I saw a biogenic <laughs> ooze, I was like, "Yup, this card's fucking cool." Uh, so it is an ooze. It's a two-two ooze for five, three generic and two green. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, create a two-two green ooze creature token. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on each ooze you control. And then for one generic and three green, you can create yet another uh, green ooze creature token uh, at your leisure. So I just imagine having an ooze theme deck uh, where you've got a playset of these in there. And the ooze just takes over. Um, I think it's fun, stupid, magic. Um, it's a great green card. It's ooze. I love it. Personal um, personal preference there. Um, then my mono red card is Amplifier. So it is a 1-1 elemental for 4. Uh, 2 generic, 2 red. At the beginning of your upkeep, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card. Until your next turn, Amplifier's base power becomes twice that card's power, and its base toughness becomes twice that card's toughness. Put the revealed cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, The reason I thought this was cool is just because I'd love to see it um, in combination with some big green stompy creatures, or even like Eldrazi, where you get this little 1-1 Amplifier, but you end up flipping, say, an 11-11 from your deck. Um, and you know, it's, it's just a dumb, fun red card that I just want to watch somebody flip it into something absolutely insane. Um, that's my thought behind that one. And, uh, so my mono white, my last card on my list, um, this one is a little, uh, 
kind of tore at the heart or tugged at the heartstrings, um, I guess a little bit. I picked Resolute Watchdog. Um, it is a one-three hound uh-huh. for one white mana. He looks a lot like dog meat from the Fallout series. I fucking love Fallout, and he makes me think of dog meat. Uh, he has Defender, and for one generic land. You sacrifice him, and target creature you control gains indestructible until end of turn. Um, he's a good boy. <laughs> that's that's all. I just, I love dogs, and I love dog meat. This guy reminded me of dog meat, and his abilities are that of a dog. So I picked him because he's fucking cool. And if you don't like dogs, oh, my God. Get out. Get out. <laughs> yeah, dogs are awesome. Dogs rule. So, uh, yeah, that's... That's my list. I also like his uh, his flavor text too. A friend in good times, a guardian in bad times, and a savior when all else fails. It's like Jesus, you're gonna make me cry, Resolute Watchdog. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, Mama, he's my dog. I'll pay his sacrifice costs. <laughs> right, exactly. I just I picture everybody at the table, all their eyes welling up whenever somebody sacrifices Resolute Watchdog, because it's just like huh, good goodbye, good friend. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, that's my list. Oh, yeah. That's all of our lists. We covered it. We made it through. Uh, is there anything else anybody wants to say about Allegiance before we head into pre-release weekend? Uh, I don't like the name of the set. I don't either. Yeah, uh, it's hard to say. It's just... Ravnica Allegiance is just... It's, it doesn't yeah. roll as much as... Like, Guilds of Ravnica just rolls. Return to Ravnica. Ravnica, yeah, and, City of Guilds. And everyone just everyone just abbreviates it to Guilds. You want to draft Guilds. It's, do you want to draft Allegiance? Yeah. Do you want to draft Ravnica? Which Ravnica? There are plenty. It, it makes sense, like, given, you know, the thought behind it. But at the same time, it just doesn't roll off the tongue as smoothly as yeah. other sets. Well, and even some of the, like, ridiculous names, like Kaladesh. Kaladesh is easy to say. It's easy to figure out. It's easy to... You don't even have to abbreviate it. For some reason, Allegiance, Ravnica Allegiance is just... It's a lot of jumbled consonants in there. It is. It's not very smooth. Yeah. Well-designed set, so it seems like. Definitely. I'm excited to play it. I just, you know, don't want to talk about it. (laughs) The name. The name. (laughs) What do you guys think of War of the Spark? It's interesting. I, I don't know. Is so. What do you guys think? Is that going to be the third Ravnica set, or is this something completely different? I think it's the third set. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense given that they. I mean, the third set in this block is the Gatewatch and Bolas, right? I mean. Yes. So it, it makes sense. Uh, thinking of Planeswalker Sparks. However, um, I, I kind of wish it's something different. <laughs> Just, just because I think it could be something cool. You is, know? is it, is it going to be? Is it going to be the summer blockbuster like apocalypse ending to this whole bolas crap? That's like, the idea. Is that is that like? Are we actually going to get resolution though? Will they finally kill off either bolas or Jace? Because they're not just going to let bolas win. But are they going to actually kill off anybody? I mean, it's a war. Well, so I want them if, if they're going to kill. Regardless of who they kill off, if that's what happens and someone has to die, like a big main character, obviously we haven't seen, um, you know, Garuk in forever because uh, he was killed. Um, but 
He wasn't killed. No, he's or wandering no, he's, the sorry, yeah, forests yeah, 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 yeah. of Innistrad looking for Liliana. Right, but we, have, we haven't seen him. He's hunting. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. My bad. He's, uh, he's shittily hunting. He's in the wrong woods on the wrong world in the wrong existence. And he hasn't been seen in forever because of how terrible a hunter he is. Uh, <laughs> well, he's a good he's, hunter. I think he's you just know? hunting planeswalkers. And I thought he was specifically hunting He was coming uh, for Liliana, Liliana, though, right? He was yeah. mowing down he's, other planeswalkers on his path to Liliana, right? Originally, yes, but he got uh, uh, he got cursed by the veil, right? Uh, and then the last thing we we saw of him was he was being summoned to Avison after she started breaking curses. No, oh, yeah, that's right. But we never found out what happened to him after that. I have to go brush up on my storylines. It's been a while. But I just like the idea of him wandering all cursed with that giant axe, that huge fucking axe, lopping yeah. off planeswalker <laughs> yeah. heads. What? What I think, what I was saying is, um, someone, someone's got to die. I get it. Uh, if that is what happens, and that's what War of the Spark is about, I just hope that after that they go to um, like New Phyrexia or somewhere where whoever dies can be remade into some badass, you know, whatever. Whether it's a Phyrexian or something different, you know, I just, I don't want to. And I know they're not going to kill off a, a main character and they're going to be gone forever. Like, you're not going to have a Bolas-free world going forward if if indeed they kill, you know, Bolas here. Uh, he'll come back at some point in some way, but... I don't know about that. Well, even if they do kill-kill, there's there's always, you know, time travel garbage and... Well, and that's, that's and... kind of what I was inferring. You know, there are ways to get him back, you know. Yeah. Whatever they are. And that could be that could be bolas that could be you know jace that could be any member of the gatewatch off gideon of the hardware department you know i mean it, gideon of the hardware department. it could be it could be anyone so you better not kill off gideon of the hardware department he is he is my favorite <laughs> his back remember that time he remember that time he threw three touchdowns in the championship game <laughs> his backstory is <laughs> the most beautiful and touching poignant moment of magic um I think that my brother's ever narrated to us. <laughs> Anyone has ever narrated to us. Good point. Good point. Um, yeah, no, uh, War of the Spark, I have no idea what it's going to be. I'm assuming it'll probably be the third set in the in the in uh, this new Ravnica block. Um, yeah, it, well, but they're not blocks technically Oh, right, anymore. we don't do that anymore. That's right, that's but right. But yeah, it is It is the, the third in the not block of Ravnica. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we've we've killed people off permanently before. Um, name six. <laughs> I can name one and a half. <laughs> Who? Venser. Oh yeah. Venser died. Yeah, Venser died. Um, and then in recent memory, uh, uh, Elspeth died. Technically. Uh, but she is also trapped on uh, Theros in the Greek god underworld, so we could pr- definitely see her again. Yep, she could be coming back. Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, whether it's a permadeath or someone who's brought back by some other means later on. But I'm excited for the I'm excited for the conclusion because a I hope it's written well and b I'm excited to see where they go next. You know what I mean? Is it going to be a new plane? Is it going to be somewhere we've been before? 
Um, and if it's I, somewhere I we've been before, see God, I want to go to Phyrexia. <laughs> I was going to say, I could see them just immediately picking up with uh, Karn taking the Golgothan Silex and just going, hey, what's up? I'm here to blow up everything you guys wrecked of mine. Yeah, Karn definitely wants to go back to Phyrexia. Yes, Argentium, technically. Ah, uh, yes. That's what it was called when he made when it. and he then did it. And then he left it in charge of Memnarch, and then Memnarch renamed it to Mirrodin, and then the Phyrexians went, nope, this is our home. This what? us now. Karn, Karn was manifest destinied twice. <laughs> the guy just right? can't catch a break, if you think about it. I know. Karn's entire history <laughs> is one just tragic fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were made to fetch the butter through time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that does it for this week's episode of Homebrew Magic. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Good luck, everyone, at pre-release this weekend. Make sure you check back in next weekend when we give you a recap of how our weekend went. Um, Hey, tell a friend. Rate, review, subscribe. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. Um, Find us online, our Facebook and Instagram communities, at Homebrew Magic or at homebrewmagic.podbean.com. Uh, like we said, until next time, good luck at pre-release, and uh, we will check in afterwards. Yep. See you guys next turn. Bye, friends.